1: Good morning, it's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, after much debate, an education funding bill squeaks past a key deadline. Find out why a key education group has concerns.
2: Um, It's very frustrating. Again, this issue is so very important and it deserves uh, sincere deliberation and a thoughtful process and it can wait.
1: Then, a controversial bill to dissolve the Arts Commission appears dead for now. Find out what the agency's director says that means for his organization. And hear the surprise of a longtime lotto proponent after an unexpected lottery bill survives the committee process. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition. Mississippi could still see a new education funding formula this legislative session, even though the specifics were not discussed in any committee. Senate Education and House Appropriations committees passed placeholder bills, often called dummy bills, that could be filled in with more details later. Some. Legislators say they just need some more time to review the recommendations offered by the education policy firm EdBuild. Opponents say the move is a way to keep those recommendations out of the public eye for as long as possible. Nancy Loom is with an advocacy group called the Parents Campaign. She says parents are concerned about the passage of dummy bills just before yesterday's committee deadline.
2: Well, it's just very disappointing. Here we are on deadline day, late in the afternoon, and legislators were asked to vote on dummy bills um, in both chambers, the House and the Senate. So we still don't know what they are proposing. The only thing that we know is that indications are from the governor and lieutenant governor that they want to remove from the books the formula that tells the legislature the level at which schools should be funded and replace it with something that provides no formula at all for determining how schools should be funded. Um, So there will be no way to hold legislators accountable. Uh, Funding for public schools will be left entirely to the discretion of the legislature if, if that indeed becomes law, which is very disappointing and distressing for our children.
0: So what is your fear?
2: Our fear is that that's what we'll get in the 11th hour. Um, They haven't been willing to bring forward anything um, concrete yet to let us see what it is. And so parents are extremely concerned, very frustrated. They're frustrated that they haven't been involved in the process, that it's been secretive, uh, that it's being rushed. Our children's education is more important than that, and it, it deserves serious deliberation and a much better effort than what we're getting.
0: Why do you think in your opinion that it has been secretive?
2: Well, clearly, um, whatever it is that they're considering doing is not something they want to share with the public. And so, um, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. Um, It's very frustrating. Again, this issue is so very important and it deserves uh, sincere deliberation and a thoughtful process. And it can wait. There's no reason to rush this. We We can take our time and do it right, legislators can come back in a special session or can come back next year. Um, So that's what we hope will happen. We hope better minds will prevail. Uh, We know that legislators are hearing from voters that they don't like this process and they want it to slow down. And so we hope that they will listen to the voters back home and do the right thing for our children.
0: Okay, Nancy, thank you very much for being on the program. We do appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Nancy Loom of the parents campaign with MPB's Mark Rigsby. Representative Richard Bennett sits on both the appropriations and education committees in the House. The Long Beach Republican says dummy bills are common practice and the public has nothing to worry about.
3: All we did was move the process forward. We, we took all the uh, codes that are currently in, in the education uh, bill and we just moved them forward.
4: What does that mean?
3: It means that the that's work in process. We're going to continue to work on this till we come back with the bill. Right now, it's uh, pretty much an empty bill outside of the transparency that we did.
4: Explain the amendment for us.
3: The amendment, all it does is, is make it uniform of how we're accountable for the tax, the dollars spent in the schools, whether it's going in the classroom, whether it's going to administration, whether it's going to special ed, whether it's going to vocational. It is uniform throughout so we can compare apples to apples whenever we're looking at what districts are doing so it makes it uniform throughout the state on how the data is um is accounted for
4: well looking at ed bill how what elements are you going to take from that
3: if you're talking about the bill going forward we're going to look at all of their uh recommendations and we're going to take some of them and some of them we're not and uh, I think it's a misnomer out there that districts are going to lose a lot of money because I think that's real premature to say. We just don't know yet.
4: Lawmakers are asking um, why should they vote for this, and they don't know what they're voting for, essentially.
3: They're going to, as the process goes on, they're going to know what they're voting on. We're not going to bring out anything here that the uh, legislature doesn't know what's happening. This gives us time to work on it and not rush it. The legislature is going to go through those recommendations, and we're going to see what works and what doesn't work for us.
4: And you think you can do that in 60 days?
3: I do. We're going to try. If not, we'll back off of it. But if we can't do it, but we're going to try. We're going to give it all we got. I don't think we're going to touch the 27% rule. And I am pledging to you that that is what I'm working towards these things. Me as an individual cannot bring forth anything. It has to be the legislature and the committee. These are things that I myself say we're going to do moving forward. What I want to do is I I want to try to make everyone whole. I don't want anyone to have to lose money. And I would like to see um, see this be implemented over a five-, seven-year plan.
4: Why not hold up for a year?
3: Well, we may have to. We don't know yet. We've got to wait and see what happens and how it goes forward. Why would you hold up if you can work something out and you can get things moving? As the education system and the formula is broke. Because it's broke, I think that we need to have a better formula as soon as possible. But if we can't do it within that time frame, then we won't. So we're not going to bring out something that's that's not a good product.
1: Representative Richard Bennett speaking with our Desiree Frazier. A controversial bill to dissolve the arts commission appears dead for now. Find out what the agency's director says that means for his organization next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
5: Formative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Arts Commission dodged a legislative uh, bullet yesterday. That's when two bills died in committee that would have dissolved the commission and made it part of the State Development Authority. Joining us now is Malcolm White, the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Hi, Malcolm. Hey, Karen. So what are you feeling right now after yesterday's developments sunk in?
5: Well, certainly relief, but understanding that there is some sort of a problem uh, that needs to be mended. And so uh, we get up this morning, we go back to work on the people's business and making sure that the arts are delivered to every corner of the state and that uh, children have access and everybody has access and equity. And then try to figure out, you know, what was the origin of this and, and what can we do to repair that so we can keep the um, Arts Commission independent. Uh, and moving forward.
1: When we talked to you last week, you were still in shock. And and at that time, you told me you had no idea where this came from. You didn't see it coming at all. You were blindsided. Have you learned more about the motivation and possible motivations of this?
5: Well, certainly I've read what has been published uh, in the media and on social media, but no, I, I, no one has come to me and Sort of explained it to me. Uh, I, I'm a fairly intelligent guy. I can put a few dots together and I'm going to sort of pursue that. We've been pretty uh, preoccupied uh, with trying to rally the troops uh, and we have a great uh, debt of gratitude to the Mississippi legislature and to Chairman Reed and to Chairman Clark uh, for allowing these bills to die in these committees. We know it's not over until it's over, or as they say in the opera world, to the fat lady sings, but we, we know we have work ahead, and that's what we get up today and begin.
1: How much of that work would include uh, letting the state know what the Arts Commission does? I
5: think that's a great point. Uh, perhaps we've not done uh, the job we need to do in advocacy and uh, telling our own story, so we will certainly uh, take uh, from this, take that lesson from this, and do a better job of telling our stories, staying in touch with our communities. Uh, I think uh, people really are energized uh, by this. Uh, I may be tired, but they're energized. So <laughs> it, it's a good thing. I think what you'll see come out of this is a very strong statewide advocacy uh, effort and maybe a better relationship uh, with lawmakers and policy makers.
1: The Arts Commission and the Development Authority are, are very different in their goals. The Development Authority is very outward-looking to bring business and tourism into Mississippi. The Arts Commission seems more inward-focused, supporting Mississippi's existing arts community. How could the two agencies work better together to accomplish what leaders say they wanted from these bills without actually merging those agencies?
5: Well, we will be willing to sit down anytime, anywhere, and have a discussion about that. One of the surprising things about all of this was that we are doing that. We have many partnerships with MDA and Visit Mississippi, the tourism uh, arm of MDA. And as you know, I worked there for three years, and we developed these partnerships. And we have a great amount of team uh, synergy out there working with MDA, we work collaboratively in the Creative Economy Initiative. We do uh, a, a lot of training around uh, presenters and festival workshops. And we work on the blues trail and the country music trail uh, together in the civil rights work. We do lots and lots of things together. Um, but this is, you're right, this is a, a philosophical uh, question of you know, we develop product, they promote it we We give communities and artists and schools arts tools uh, and, and to develop uh, what they 're trying to do in their communities, their schools, uh, and as artists and we work with MDA all the time, but we do not need to be under the MDA executive branch umbrella.
1: Interesting, because as you said, you are sort of giving life to the creativity in the state, uh, helping out the artists, whereas MDA is looking to promote the art that's already here to outside businesses and, and entities that might be interested in Mississippi. So how do you answer that in that the arts that are already here may not already be here if you weren't supporting them?
5: Yeah, I, I don't know, but but we do develop the, the creative components uh, that make Mississippi what it is. It is our greatest asset. Our arts and culture are our greatest assets, and we need to develop that um, and, and then promote it uh, in order to really be successful. Uh, we have other assets, that, but most states have those same assets. No state has the arts and cultural assets that we have. It's our greatest story, and and MPB tells that story, and we tell that story, and we should all be telling that story uh, together, Uh, but we do not all need to be put in uh, to one agency uh, in order to do that. We need independence in order to really be uh, effective in our work.
1: Back to the uh, issue at hand, the Bill's Dining Committee. Are you concerned about those bills or the idea of the merging comes back?
5: Well, certainly. I know there is uh, something referred to as a zombie, a zombie bill where they can be cobbled back together and reintroduced. We will be uh, diligent about keeping our eye on that. We hope that's not the case. Uh, we would like to think we could uh, get back to work creating art and, and, and promoting uh, Mississippi and not have to worry about some zombie bill, you know, staggering around the state house. So so we hope that's not the case, but honestly, we won't know until Sonny die when the legislature adjourns and goes home. But we aren't going to spend our precious public hours uh, standing around the Capitol. We are busy at work uh, on a strategic plan, on working in creative economy, working in schools. We've got teacher training um, sessions going on up in Tupelo right now. we had a big roundtable in Hattiesburg yesterday. There is much work to be done, and we do not be, need to spend our hours being distracted about uh, potential bills floating around uh, in the legislature.
1: We're going to stop right there. Malcolm White uh, heads the Mississippi Arts Commission. Malcolm, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll hear the surprise of a longtime lotto proponent after an unexpected lottery bill survives the committee process. That's coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go.
0: Artists. Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford. Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Attisburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. <laughs>
1: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Susan
6: Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Today we have an email from Chrissy in Biloxi. It reads, I have an almost nine-year-old daughter who's overweight. I struggle with how to address her weight without giving her a negative self-image. Some of the other girls at school already make snide remarks about her weight. Any advice you can provide would be appreciated. Well, first of all, Chrissy, with your nine-year-old daughter, you have some controls where you can help her without her even knowing that you really are. The first thing you can do is make sure that you model good behavior, that you have healthy foods in your home. Try to make sure that the snacks in your house are things like fruits, fresh fruits and vegetables, and try to do away with the chips and the chocolates and sugars that you have in the house. The other thing that you can do is to make sure that you help her engage in exercise. Nine year old children are growing and so it's pretty easy to just make sure that they get good exercise and eat healthy. You don't really have to restrict calories very much. A little trick though, if you feel like she's eating too much, you can use a smaller plate, smaller servings and make sure that when she goes for seconds that you Encourage her first to have a glass of water. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy, where the doctors are always in, each weekday at 11. From MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress.
3: The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at BCBSMS. Live healthy, live
6: blue. I'm Robin Young. Americans may have sympathy for Somali refugees banned from coming to the U.S. and still ask, didn't some young Somalis radicalize once they got here? A professor says don't use a sledgehammer to hit a tiny nail.
3: Something to the order of 95% of those who have committed uh, terrorist acts, uh, either in Europe or here, are not refugees.
6: Next time, here and now.
3: Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on NPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A state lottery in Mississippi is one step closer to reality. That's because the House Judiciary Ag Committee unexpectedly voted yesterday to create one. A bill before the committee was originally about determining whether defendants are mentally fit for trial. But the bill was overhauled completely by the committee and now would implement the lottery. Governor Phil Bryant recently said the state should consider a lottery while House Speaker Philip Gunn of Clinton opposes the idea. A longtime proponent of the lottery is Representative Alice Clark. The Jackson Democrat says she was surprised to hear about the lotto bill.
7: It was a shock to me, but I am elated to know that the bill is possibly, could possibly be on its way. And I say could possibly be because there are so many people, House members, and constituents and people all around the state who've been asking about when are we going to get a lottery? When are we going to have to stop driving across the land to buy our ticket and to help other people? Why can't we start helping ourselves? So the action that was taken um, might just be might be a lottery on the way, and I certainly hope it is.
0: This was not expected coming out of the Judiciary Committee. Is that something that you expected, and were you surprised that it was actually a a Republican-led effort?
7: Oh, no. They know we need some money just like I do. It doesn't make any difference whether I didn't expect it to be a Republican, but there are good Republicans just like there are good Democrats, and I'm thinking it's just somebody who knew that it was a good sense thing to do.
0: When you heard the governor in his state of the state speech ask for dialogue on possibly creating the lottery and making it happen, what was going through your mind?
7: I was elated that he was willing to sit down and talk about it. And I think that's what we need to do about a lot of other bills that we need to get. We need to sit down and talk about it. And that was his idea of what we need to. And apparently, maybe he was talking to somebody or has been talking to somebody about it. I hope that's what's happened.
0: You have been a strong supporter of a lottery. And you've been en- entering bills each session over and over that have died. Is this the session where we're finally going to see a lottery, do you think?
7: I am not sure, but I certainly hope it is. I keep telling people I hope that one day, while I'm still alive, we will have a lottery. And this might be the year.
0: And what would bringing a lottery to Mississippi mean for other programs when we're bringing in more money, and we're talking
7: millions and millions of dollars? Oh, it could mean a lot. It just could mean so much for our educational system. It could make so much for our general fund, depending on where we decide to put it. But wherever we put it, I know it could be a help to our state, because we know our state needs the money. And we need to do everything we can to help in all of the places we can. So to me, this is just one of the places that we can be doing something to help ourselves.
1: Representative Alice Clark with MPB's Mark Rigsby. In other news, interim Jackson University President Rod Page says his top priority is to resolve the university's financial issues. The 83-year-old former U.S. Secretary of Education accepted his current post following the resignation of Carolyn Myers. The college board says Jackson State's cash reserves dwindled from $37 million to $4 million over the past four years. Page says his focus is to make changes to rebuild the university's cash reserves. Some of the changes would be cultural changes. Some of the changes would be finance changes. Some of them would be academic changes. But all these would be guided by uh, strategies and tactics that will not not diminish the university's primary mission, which is uh, to uh, enhance student growth. The college board has engaged the help of a search firm to find the next president of Jackson State. Hear much more from our interview with Secretary Page on tomorrow's Mississippi edition. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? You can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at MPB Online. Or by downloading the MPB public media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. Only on MPB Think Radio.